We're just boys. We're just boys. We like beer. We like beer. If you think that that sounds hazy, then Lord, we'll make it clear. We like Blondells, IPAs, cider stouts from the USA. We're just boys. We like beer. We're just boys. We like beer. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another installment of the Upstate Beer Boys podcast. As always, your mayor, Stephen, the great Sage Wayne, and your truly producer and humble correspondent, Chase. We're going to tantalize your taste buds and tease your innermost savory desires in this one. But first of all, you got, you know, we got to tell you what we're drinking. Now, in our first episode, we kept it true to our state, but this time around, we open up the floor to all parties. Gentlemen, what we got, let's get into it and unbox or unbottle some tasty brews. Wayne, what's first on tap? I'm keeping it in South Carolina still. We've got the John Paul Jones Colonial Ale from Plank Owner Brewing here in Bowling Springs, South Carolina. This is 5.5% ABV, and it is a very, very smooth, malty, and good American Amber Ale. Do love my embers, that is for sure. <laughs> All right, without further ado, let's crack her open. Love that sound. The one Look thing it. I do like about Plank Owner is like on their logo, they've got this uh, colonial style ship. I think it might be patterned after the Constitution, USS Constitution. And it's shooting out uh, cannonballs that look like hops. <laughs> Don't know if you guys picked up that in the logo. I did not, actually. Not I the, cannon, not the cannonball thing. I haven't even looked at it. Or the hops ball, as it may be. It's not really on that can, because they have their own logo for oh. it. But on their, their main logo oh, okay. for their company. I thought she was talking about this can. No, it actually looks like it's got John Paul Jones on it. You know, I have not yet begun to fight. So, ah, they're all history lesson for you. <laughs> you want to talk about that? About not exactly the person that owns it, but veteran owned? I'll let you dive into that, Mr. <laughs> veteran. <laughs> I, I just, they do a little bit similar to what 13 Stripes does. They give a little bit of a history or not necessarily history but kind of like a a write-up of the beer i'll let wayne explain that but it is veteran owned plank owner veteran owned and also the brewer the head brewer is also a veteran all right so on the uh, can it says name for the father of the american navy john paul jones is a colonial era style ale adapted to modern grains and brewing that has a rich and complex multi flavor to present a true American amber ale. And I can attest, it's got a very malty, sweet aroma. Cheers, Cheers gentlemen. Cheers. I've actually had this once before, several months ago. I did like it then, I still like it. It so, is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It is that traditional malty sweet flavor. Uh, it's got a nice red color, so 
set as an amber, stacks up, color stacks up to what it's selling. So with all ales, I don't traditionally drink an ale, uh, but I do homebrew cream ales. Oh! Do with, tell. With, <laughs> we can get into that. Love me some cream time. ale. <laughs> well, the last, real quick, the last one that I did, my neighbor and I did a coconut cream ale, and we called it Tropical Bedrock because it had fruity pebbles, brewed in with the wheat at the same time that I was brewing that. And then it had raw coconut, or fresh coconut, not necessarily raw, in with the vat when I was cooking it. Wilma! <laughs> so this one, like most traditional ales, I smell brown sugar and vanilla. Yeah, okay. That's, I get that now. I just taste deliciousness. <laughs> To me, it's the sweetness is there. It's not super. Um, it's not super strong to me, but it's definitely noticeable. To, to me, the taste is a very traditionally malty type of flavor. This is definitely a beer I can see myself drinking quite a few of. <laughs> it's easy. What was it? Five percent? Five and a half percent? Five and a half percent. Yeah, uh, again, it is one of those. It is a uh, low enough ABV where you could throw down a few of them and be totally fine. But really, what really gets me on this one is it's super smooth. It's super drinkable. I mean, just about everyone should be able to uh, take a sip of it and, and love it. Yeah, I think and, and Amber's. I'm, to me, Amber's is probably one of my more favorite type of styles. So. I, it's very rare you put an amber in front of me and I'm not going to enjoy it. For the listeners viewing pleasure, we may go into playing Connor a little later. Um, so just keep listening and downloading and maybe you'll hear from them again soon. Um, but for the next one, I'm going to go, due to my nature as a transplant, I'm going to go outside the Palmetto and I'm going to pour a collab from a brewery that gets a lot of Publicity online as being uh, top notch and kind of a hot brewery, so to speak. That is District 96 up in New York. Uh, this is a collab with Tin Barn, which is also a brewery in New York, if I'm not mistaken, called Dale's Snake Ale. Not to be confused with Dale's Ale. <laughs> or Snake Farm. Or Snake Farm. <laughs> this is a Northeast Triple IPA, a 10, checking in 10%. And uh, I'm excited to pour this and share with you fellas. I love how you say collab. We just say collab. I know. And people make fun of me that for all. People, people make fun of me. That, that that's because you're a Yankee. And probably. It's probably that's probably true. A Southern implant. <laughs> but we'll implant. Glad, we'll, we'll, we'll gladly <laughs> have you. Transplant, not an implant. He <laughs> was implanted down here. Tell you yeah. one thing: when you smell this, well, maybe Wayne, maybe not so much for Wayne, but for uh, for you and I, when you smell this, you're really gonna like it. I so think. you gave me one, and I don't remember exactly the name of it. It was 14. percent It was a uh, quad IPA, also was, by District 96. Yep, that's why I said it's District 96, and it was really good. So this is 
this will be only my second beer from District 96. So I'm excited about it. I think it's got a very um, or citrusy, orangey aroma. I could smell a little bit of the hops in there, but I, I think it's mostly orange and citrus. See, I smell the hops. Yeah. I don't smell the citrus at all. Wayne, what do you think? No IPA Break the tie. What you think? Yeah. <laughs> I smell an orange grove in the middle of a pine forest. Okay. I win. Oh, okay. Maybe I don't. <laughs> I, pick up, I pick up the the citrus notes in it, and definitely, definitely a lot of pininess to it. So, so I always like hearing Wayne's description on IPAs because, like I said, everyone has their own style that they like, and Wayne is not a traditional IPA guy. He doesn't run with the hipster crowd. Not well. I'm not a hipster, <laughs> but I like I'm IPAs. I do have to admit, I am coming around in the hazy. The hazy and the tropicals are, are starting to come in, but um, I'm not a real traditional. This idea. is uh, this color is pretty hazy, Wayne. Yes. Well, it's definitely hazy. Cheers, Cheers fellas. Cheers, guys. Not very bitter. No. Definitely kind of hoppy, but not very bitter. Pretty juicy. We'll have to look more into that because to me it definitely tastes dry hopped. Um, it's definitely dry. I can, yeah. <laughs> but I'll look into it and see what they do. I'd like to know the process on that. No. What do you guys think of it? It's a triple IPA. Do you guys think it's sneaky or can is it kind of like, okay, no, yeah, I can sense. I can sense the high ABV. It's sneaky on a couple different fronts. Uh, I don't really pick up the um, the ABV percentage, which looking at the can, it's pretty high. But it's also sneaky that you, I pick up a lot of pine in the notes I don't really get it in the taste. I do get the citrus in the taste, but it's more dry than anything. But it doesn't dry your mouth out, so it's. It, I like it. <laughs> We're turning a corner. Yeah, you turn me on the lagers. I'll turn. I'll turn you on the hazy. It's another one I definitely wouldn't chug, though. <laughs> no. Well, that's the other thing you notice with. Um, Hoppy IPAs, hazy IPAs, they are hard to chug because typically you do get that hoppy bitterness. And that's a hard flavor profile to suck down. Steven, care to guess the ABV on this one? I already told him. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually guess 11 or 12. Oh. If I didn't already know. Well, good thing this isn't the price is right because you'd be over the show. <laughs> well, Bob would be throwing you off set. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like right here it's showing 10.0 ABV, which um, is very deceptive. I don't pick up a 10% on this one. I do. <laughs> okay. But that's just, you know, different beer, just different people. Mm hmm. I mean, I think it's smooth enough for me to question the 10%, but at the same time, the hoppiness is also yeah. prevalent enough where it's not going to go down like juice. Yeah. So oh, it's definitely not like juice at all. Wayne, the reason I say that is because I'm more 
of an IPA hoppy guy. And just from experience and drinking a lot of IPAs, I know, and Chase probably say the same thing, 95% or more of the IPAs that are dry hopped or even triple and quad IPAs are going to be a higher ABV. And so that's why I just automatically guessed 11 <laughs> or 12%. No, that's a good point. There was something I had <laughs> recently. It was a quad IPA, and it was only like 9 or 10%. And I was like, yeah. what type of quad IPA is only 9 or 10%? But you know, if you're going to drink an IPA, especially like a triple or quad, it's going to be higher ABV. So that's why I guess high. You know, you live and you learn. I'm learning something new today. The sage still is in school, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, so am I. I learn stuff all the time, especially about <laughs> beer and home brewing and get to that later. But yeah. Potential teaser for another segment down the road. There you go. Well, that was a little trip into the Northeast for you guys. Maybe I'll maybe uh, I can't acquire as much lately, but maybe I've got a few more to share with you guys in the future. Uh, Stephen, what's left on our uh, what What are we drinking? Second second episode. All right. So one of the breweries here that's very well known. Uh, eight State Brewery are brewing. I'm not exactly how sure they call it, but anyway. We get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> they brewed a collaboration beer with Other Half in New York. It was a stout, but I went to the... I don't even know what you call it. I went to the beer release... Not for the eight-state stout, but for this beautiful, gorgeous 8.8% Imperial Oat Cream IPA, double dry hopped. Wait, oatmeal cream? Oatmeal cream, yep. You've got my interest there. (laughs) So Uh, you say creamy got my interest. Mylar Daydream. So Mylar? Mylar Daydream is the name of it. Like Balloon? So, the can, since the viewers can't see it, the can is silver. And they, I found out last, or I found out at the release that they do multiple different variations of this beer. So this particular can is silver, silver label with uh, pink clouds. And I've got... I bought a four-pack of it. So in other words, if you're high off your balls, you'll look at that can and see your future. So I had, I've got yellow clouds, pink clouds, blue cap clouds, and green clouds. <laughs> I wonder which one's more prevalent, the pink clouds, the blue clouds, the yellow clouds. Regardless, Stephen's off his balls when he looks at these cans. <laughs> the funny thing you said that that's a collaboration between a brewery here in South Carolina. And a brewery in New York. And we got collaboration between South Carolina and Connecticut. (laughs) And also a Florida guy, too. That's true. We are a collaborative podcast, after all. This beer was not not specifically a collaboration. Uh, Other half did this by themselves. But I can, on our next venture, or our next 
time we get together, I will bring the stout that Eight State and other half released that same day that they released these cans. All right, all right, all right. That sounds good that. because we're getting a lot of IPAs and lagers here, so we need a stout to break it up. It, <laughs> that one is a 14% ABV, non-barrel-aged. That's... That's also code for Wayne saying, all right, boy, stop giving me all these hazes. <laughs> so with the uh, Mylar Daydream. That's cheers. super juicy. Cheers, it's, boys. Looks like a glass of orange juice, for real. So with the name, and I said it's dry hopped without even seeing it's dry hopped. Taste dry hopped. I haven't even tasted it yet. I bought the four Sorry, pack. I didn't mean to insect no, you. No, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I brought I bought the four pack and I stuck it in my fridge just for this. So appreciate I smell the dry hopped right off the bat, and I'm gonna go and I'll come right back. But I'm gonna go right to Wayne because I'm watching Wayne's face. And again, we said before, time and time again, he's not an IPA guy. What are you thinking, Wayne? Like, where's the oatmeal cream in this? I don't smell it. All I smell is orange. That's true. It's and it's thing. funny. What do you think oatmeal? Normally you think stout, no? When you say oatmeal cream to me, I'm thinking oatmeal cream pies from Little Debbie's, which I love. <laughs> Little Debbie's. So it's an oat cream, not an oatmeal cream. Well, you know, I'm older, so my hearing isn't as great. Yeah, so. I missed that one, too. I heard oatmeal, too. Woo! Oh, boy. So... You know, I've never asked, and we're on the podcast. We already talked a little bit about each other. Can you tell us and the viewers how old you are, Wayne? I am half a century old. Okay. That's why he's the sage. Or like my car, I am 5.0. Chase? I am... 36, just turned 36. So what's your take on that that hazy? I think it was the, the smell was um the smell was pretty citrusy to me. Um which I know based on the last one, one you already disagree you already can we can already kind of somewhat disagree when citrusy versus hoppy. But to me it was still pretty citrusy. The flavor, I it doesn't, it's not too bitter, so I'm I'm always a fan of that because that hoppiness, it definitely is off-putting because to me, if the hoppiness is too bitter, it affects how fast I can drink it. And I don't like warm beer. <laughs> sorry, Europe, sorry to any Europeans out there. I don't like warm beer. Um, so, but the flavor to me, it's not super. The flavor to me is more on the hoppy side than the citrusy side. Yeah. As opposed to the last one we drank. Which was more on the uh, citrusy side than the hoppy side, at least in my opinion. I am O. I'm going to disagree with you there for a minute, there, Chase. For All right. This is what I'm picking up. This one here, I mean, it is hoppy, but I'm picking up more of the citrus end on it, and on the back end, I'm getting the the oat. So. To me, this is more enjoyable than the previous beer. Not that it wasn't enjoyable, but this one I could see myself drinking more of than than the uh, 
triple. That's interesting because I don't get anything on the back end. It just kind of keeps consistent and goes down. <clears throat> so when I first cracked it and I poured all three of us a sample of the beer, I immediately in my brain had the idea that my taste buds was going to taste hoppiness over the citra or citrus because I smell the hoppiness of the beer. And I love that. So I, there's some consistency. I smell citrus, Steven smells hoppy. <laughs> absolutely. Everybody's senses are different, yeah. but as soon as I turned it up, the citrus hit me before the hoppiness hit me. The hoppiness didn't hit me until the back end. So is it made with citra hops? Dun, dun, dun. Honestly, don't know. I haven't looked into it, but I'm going to look that up right now and see if I can find out. Since I'm not a real big IPA guy, I'm still trying to learn all the different hops like Citra, Galaxy, Mosaic. Seems like they go on and on forever. Mosaic is my favorite. I know the words. I just don't know how to differentiate them. I just like beer. <laughs> I will say this. Once you find out the flavors of each hop, you'll automatically be able to point it out. Once me, you know. Yep, once you know, you know. The Mosaic is by far my favorite hop. I see a future segment coming up. Name that hop. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. We'll have to pre-research that segment, but you know, this was just... <laughs> So... We have to kind of wait and see if Steven's correct in his uh, assumption. Let's save the drum roll. Should we go drum roll? <laughs> Is he right? Is he right? Is he right, Wayne? What do you think? Do you think? Do you think his taste buds are so acute that he's correct, or maybe not? I'm just Time will tell. He is the home brewer of the three of us. He is the home brewer. He's also the mayor, so let's see. <laughs> Oh, El Dorado. So this is the list of the hops. El Dorado. El Dorado, Amarillo, Galaxy. Drum roll, please, Mr. Sage. Mosaic. Mosaic. <laughs> no Citra. Now, did you think it was Mosaic, or uh, were you just saying Mosaic is your favorite? No, I was saying Mosaic is my favorite. I couldn't taste it, but it says... And this is straight from the other half. It's then double dry hopped, which is on the can, with Galaxy, Citra, and Mosaic hops. So there you go. So there's the Citra. So double Mosaic. Yeah. Interesting. Nice. 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 <laughs> now, we've shown you a couple collabs. And next up, we're going to take you to downtown Greenville for a brewery that is a little bit of a collab in their own right. They brew the beer, they make some tasty treats, and they make some desserts, and they brew coffee. They got it all going on. <laughs> so not only do they kill it on the beer scene, but they kill it on all these other levels too. Keep it right here on this Upstate Beer Boys podcast and meet one of these upstart establishments in the west end of downtown Greenville, the Crafty Cats Brewery.
morning, so she packed up her stuff. Moved down to Mississippi, told her friends she never loved me. Said I was another muddle, long haired hillbilly. I'm sitting here, drowning in a cold beer. And I won't tell her you saw me. Now, you've been around for a little bit. Can you start off by giving our audience a little background to why you picked this location, what, what, how you kind of made it to Greenville in general, what's the, the vibe, the theme, a little bit background about you and Sarah and what this brewery is about? Yeah, um, so we used to live in Charlotte, but uh, Sarah's, all her family lives here. And so eventually we moved here about three years ago, four years ago now, from Charlotte to where I was working in another brewery there. Um, and we moved here and we started looking for a place. And when I first met Sarah, I was working in a brewery and she always wanted to start a coffee shop. And so when we got here, we saw a coffee shop that was wanting to sell. And so we said, hey, we'll build a coffee shop and we'll put a brewery right next to it and it should work well together. And so that's how, that's how we started on it. And West End, like the downtown Greenville is amazing, right? And so we wanted to be part of that. So that's, that's why we kind of tried to find a location downtown. And uh, what's the... Um Sarah's Brazilian, right? Yeah. What What's the? How does that tie into the the brewery, the, the brewery itself, and the coffee shop? Is the the food obviously there's yeah, yeah. a Latin influence there? Yeah, so there's a lot of Brazilian food. We have the Brazilian pizza, the Brazilian empanadas. Um, some of the beer we make is reminiscent of that. Uh, like the lager we have is an island lager, but that's it's called shop in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, shop basically means anything on tap, <laughs> so it's pretty straight. But it's a, just a normal crispy lager. All right, so how often do you brew and how much can you brew at one time? Uh, I brew about once a week now, um, and I can do about, I do a triple batch, and so I, I end up with four barrels. This is what okay. I end up with. Good to run this. This is the original uh, brew house that we had from D9 back when I started there. <laughs> so. And so this is, this came with it uh, when we uh, when they moved to Newton, I moved here, and then I took this with me. So it was awesome. So this is the same system I've been using for like ten years now. So I can I can brew pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite beer to brew as far as style? Um, yeah, uh, my favorite my favorite style of beer is I guess like caramelly lagers, like Irish Reds, Irish Darks. Uh, I, uh, Warsteed or Dark is actually really good. It sounds funny to say that, but those are the kind of beers I like the most. And that's why I like the Schrodinger's because it's just a, it's a bigger lager. It's a little bit more caramely. And yeah, that's why, that's why I like to make the best. Yeah. Now, as I'm going to do, sample in on another one of these tasty chicken empanadas, <laughs> what is the relationship between having a, kit, a food kitchen versus the brewery what time of day is each more popular? What's the dynamic like between running one versus the other? Um, what kind? Of, which ones do you seem to know more pop in business about? So the the coffee shop it does business in the morning pretty much during the weekdays, 
And then on Friday, Saturday, Sundays, that's where we do all brewery business, just about like normal, right? Um, but with the food and the pizza and stuff, so on Sunday, it's whenever. We just actually don't know when people come in. Like, it could be dead, and all of a sudden we pack. <laughs> I haven't figured out how that works yet. But yeah, but it's a pretty good dynamic. You can come in, and you can have coffee at 8, and then you can stay all day and have beer at 9. <laughs> You're pretty good. So. All right, so the name is Crafty Cats. And it, yeah, it's got a really cool theme. Um, tell us how you came up with that, or how it came to be, as far as like the name and logo and all that. Yes, uh, so it was Saturn's idea mostly. We were like, hey, we want to name it something crafty. And then, it, you know, it was just, it took a while to get to it, but Crafty Cats was exactly what it was going to be <laughs> from the beginning, because it was about the cats. It was about craft beer and craft food, and once you put it together, it just clicked, and then it went from there. And so, the style is kind of like trying to get like an international type feeling to it, along with the cats. Yeah. So going now into the beers we're drinking, I have the Tabby Cat, which is a red sour, right? Yeah, it's a Flanders. And it's interesting because like when I smelled it, it had kind of a more tart aroma that you expect from sours, but like the flavor is not super sour. So it's in terms of, the, do you, is there, are there any particular beers? Well, maybe what was the brewing process when it came to this beer, and then what are some of the beers that have been your more favorite ones that you've put together? Yeah, so this beer is like Rodenbach. So this is the first time I've ever made a red sour, <laughs> because Rodenbach's pretty good, so it's hard to put together. But I wanted to try to make one. This beer has been in a barrel for over two and a half years now. And so you brew it, you put some stuff in there, you Later on, about a year later, we made some more work. We put some more in there and just let it keep going. So it's sour because it micro-oxidizes in the barrel. So it's not really a sour, per se. It just gets a little bit of that, a little bit of oxygen over the years. And that's what makes it that way. Yeah. So it's pretty good. All right, and I'm drinking the uh, Claw Orchard, which is a very unique beer. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's, it's kind of a hybrid beer. So I have a wheat beer, and I have a lager, and I have a pilsner. And so what I do is I blend them together with carrot uh, carrot oranges. And carrot carrot oranges are the super sweet ones, so you get kind of that sweet orangey flavor versus the bitter orange. But the, the pale ale up on the front makes it like a normal good beer, but the lager on the back makes it crispy. So that's what I was able to do. All right, so I'm two fisting right now. I'll be finishing one, drinking the other two. Uh, I'm drinking the Cat's Claw and the Peach Blossom Meat. Cat's Claw is coming in at 5.2. Uh, very hoppy, very smooth. Very good beer. And then the Peach Blossom is coming in at 4.2. And it's really good for a wheat beer. Can you tell me, starting off by the Cat's Claw, the process with that, what kind of hops you use? Yeah, the Cat's Claw is actually a, it's a hop lager. So it's a IPL, I guess they call it. But I don't know how the pale fits in there, but they call it IPL. But yeah, so I was thinking, I love Simcoe, and so I figured, let's take a beer that has, kind of pull all that malt back and just put in some Simcoe and see if we can get that Simcoe to shine. Yeah. And so that's what I was trying to do on that one. Yeah, it came out, yeah, it came out really well. And then the peach, the peach blossom wheat. What's the uh, what's the ingredients on that? 
So it's actually the recipes are traditional high recipes, so it's it's sixty percent wheat. But I do use American wheat yeast on it, to, so I don't I don't give you the phenolics, <laughs> the, the you know the the licorice flavor stuff. Yeah, I don't like that so much. So I use American yeast on that, and then it has the white peaches that you can buy up here in Gaffney. That's where I just stop at the stand on the way and get the white peaches, and that's what makes it awesome for the peach flavor. Speaking of peaches and Gaffney, <laughs> when you drive up and down 85, there's a giant one right off the highway. <laughs> and anyone who saw the um, first season of House of Cards on Netflix would recognize that from one of the early episodes. Based on the fact that what you just said, you drive up there to get peaches for your beer. What? It, it, how, fa how famous are those peaches in Gaffney? <laughs> They have the peach there, so I figured <laughs> peaches. That's why I stopped. But they have that white variety, and that's the only place I found them so far. It's a good marketing point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so you made a good point, and to my, I was going to ask this question: Do you buy local? And that's absolutely local. Uh, Gaffney has some really good produce, really good peaches that come up off the mountain. So, do you buy? Any of your grains, hops, local? I mean, there's, because I buy my grains and hops local when I do homebrew, but I don't do as large of a system as you do. So I do uh, I do some local, local-ish, because the, the two mom houses, I, I use the one that's up in Asheville, uh, the Red River, and then uh, Carolina Mall House. I use both of those. Yeah, but they make an amazing, uh, I think it's, it's awesome. <laughs> The Vienna Mall. The Vienna Mall they make is amazing. And that's what's in the Schrodinger's. And that's what makes it good. Yeah. So, uh, Alright, so how long have you guys been here? And if it's within a year's time, how was it trying to open up during the pandemic? Because, you know, it's been kind of crazy here 2020 and into 2021. Like the year about that. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So we got that coffee shop going, and we opened, and we were trying to open the brewery at the same time. But so we had a little bit of a snag in this open, so we ended up opening the brewery side. It was one year later, and so it took us a whole year to get this up. So we've been running that side for about a year now, which has worked out pretty well. But it's been pretty good. We've been able to hold on during Christmas time. It was it was pretty bad, so we were we were pretty worried then. But things are starting to come back alive now. So the beers helped. Starting to do pizzas help. And that's, it's kind of weird. Like, usually you get to focus directly on your craft, but this year we get to work on scrambling for whatever we can do to stay alive. So, But it's getting better quick. That was it brings up an interesting follow up I would, I would have because I did notice recently you had one year, one year anniversary party. And congrats and good on you for making it past that, the first milestone of, of many. Um, <clears throat> I, so, you're saying that that one year really just commemorates the business in general, not necessarily the beer. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, it was actually funny because we had our grand opening for this side, for the brewery, back in the beginning of July. And we were about a month in, and Sarah set up everything on social media for the one year anniversary. I'm like, if people are going to get confused because we just opened up. And she's like, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but we were like one week from it, I was like, oh, I thought, never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of funny. 
Okay, well, I guess it works. <laughs> It'd be easier than having two parties every year. <laughs> you did. You did confuse me when I saw it, but I was like, "Hey, well, let's roll with it." Maybe yep. I'm, maybe I was just slow. But <laughs> I guess I, I guess I was kind of just uh, aware of both. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Time flies, you know. Yeah. Uh, now, I noticed what I had. I was here yesterday to coordinate some details for coming in today for for our interview. And I had one. I had one of your pizzas, and I'm originally from the Northeast, so pizzas people kind of take it seriously up there. And there's not a lot of places down here that do thin crust, and you guys do do thin crust. So where did that inspiration kind of come from to actually make an attempt at doing something that is not very common around these parts? Yeah, it's actually uh, the Brazilian pizza, and so you, you also notice it had that cheese on top that was on the thing that. It's Canterbury cheese, and so in Brazil they make all their pizzas, and they're so big you have to eat them with forks. They don't eat with their hands, <laughs> and so it's it was really when she started making the pizza that's just what she made because that's how they make them. There. So. No, no, no pizza gate here. Use a fork and knife. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, so going back to our earlier question, what? What beers have you had? Because when I was here in July, there were a lot of different beers on the menu than there are now. There are a couple of stouts on the menu that uh, I guess you probably retired just because it's summer and people probably don't drink the darker beers. But like, what what type of beers um, are your favorites that you've brewed here? With that, either by taste or the, the scientific process of actually making it. Yeah, yeah, we actually went through all the stouts. I was surprised because it was summer, but people were still drinking them. But no, we had the we had a jalapeno maple syrup stout that was on tap that was amazing. Like it was it was like Christmas dinner. It was awesome, and I need to get that made again. I, I had some time to make some pretty big beers before we opened because <laughs> I, I had a whole year, <laughs> and now I'm stuck. Now I'm playing a little bit of catch up to get done. But we should have some more stouts out. I have a pumpkin coming out for you, a pumpkin stout, and then I have a, a pumpkin latte, of course, right? <laughs> and then a Marsden. And oh, Marzen. Yeah. Is that trying to get trying to get that out before Oktoberfest, or is that trying. kind of got a little bit more of a timeline on it? Yeah, it's about two more weeks. I don't think we're gonna hit it right on, but trying to get beer there. Yeah. yeah. So pretty close. Yeah. Um, uh, I noticed that one one of the stouts that you did have was a Tuxedo Cat, and yeah. that one. When I think Tuxedo Cat, I think Tuxedo Cake, and sure enough, you drink it, it does taste just like a dessert. Are there any more plans to have? Beers that maybe tie into desserts more because of the advent of the coffee shop, the pastries, that sort of thing. Yeah, the, we have a plan to get a German chocolate cake out, a Black Forest cake, start comparing the cakes with the beers, see how that works. It, I think it should turn out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. The the tuxedo stout was a white chocolate stout, which is always hard to explain to people. Like, it's a white chocolate stout. They're like, so is it dark? <laughs> like, no, it's white chocolate, but it was funny. But yeah, it turned out pretty. So, yeah, definitely, I like the confectioner-type beers. They're fun to make. So you've got a niche, or not necessarily a niche. You've got a setup that no other person around here has as far as being able to do bakery items and being able to pair it with a certain beer. And that's awesome to me. Yeah. No, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, and we also have the, 
the Mozzie Roasters. They make awesome coffee, so we have coffee coming from a great roaster. And so, yeah, I got a lot more resources here than I had before. We always have to order stuff or go find people. But we have a lot of stuff that we're partnered with just for the restaurant that I can take this stuff. It's great. All right, so we're having these delicious chicken empanadas, and they're a little bit different. Brazilian style, can you tell a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, they're they're I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> but they're like empanadas, but they're teardrop shaped. And I've made them with them, but it doesn't. Like I worked as a cook for a while, it doesn't make any sense how they make them. Mm-hmm. Like like they're the dough. You make the dough, and then you actually make the chicken, and you put it all together, and you have to get. It. But you you put like raw flour into boiling water, which is something you never do, right? Because you'll end up with dumplings. But that's how you make the dough, and I can't figure it out. But <laughs> it's a it's all it's yucca flour, so it works out pretty well, I guess. Now you are in a little bit of a lively section of Greenville, um, down in the West End. You're less than a block away from the ball field, which, again, being from the Northeast, I'm exposed to a lot of Red Sox. So the drive are the Red Sox affiliate, and there's a little tiny green monster in there, in their ball field, which looks like the real green monster up in Boston. Um, what type of Economic shares do you have between people coming here from the ball field, people coming down here coming from um, what the tap house that's next door to it, uh, Liberty Tap Room. Uh, there, there's a, I think there's a barbecue restaurant down the street. There's a nice yeah, restaurant down the place. There's a, well, it's like a biker bar. Yeah, down yeah. Barbecue. Max. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we got the whale right over here. The so, whale. Yes, that's true. I actually have Stephen's been there. I actually have it. Um, yeah. The so like what's kind of the overflow of sharing different types of clientele with the other businesses. Do you get a pretty diverse group of people coming in or do you just kind of get in the prototypical beard, craft beer drinkers coming in and then coffee people? Um, yeah, we get a lot of different people. We get more more of like what you would see people going to look at Greenville. You know, I don't, we get probably less like really crafty people in here because <laughs> we get a lot of just walk-ins because people are walking by and so that works pretty well. But I imagine people get to know us, we'll get some more people in here. Yeah, so you was talking about people just walking in. Since we've been here, there's been three couples walk in just to check it out because they hadn't seen the place. Yep. So that, that's pretty cool because you do have people coming from the ball field walking by here to get in their car or walking up to the well or something like that. So yeah, yeah, it's, location. it's a very different location for a brewery because usually you put your brewery next to like the end of the ocean in a dumpster fire. That's usually where you can afford when you start now. <laughs> and there, there's actually people walking by the window. It's just, it is strange here. <laughs> I wasn't used to that. <laughs> yeah, you said you came from D9, right? Yeah. That's uh, got a pretty pretty good reputation up in North Carolina. Uh, what? How has that kind of transpired into your brewing style, your business acumen with running this place? Uh, what, like... The base the competition that breweries see between each other up in Charlotte or Asheville or um, other heavily heavily densely populated brewery communities, as opposed to Greenville, where there's a couple places that have been around a little while, but there's a lot more places that are kind of newer and upstart. Yeah, there's a lot of new breweries starting up, and so yeah, at D9 I was responsible for all the products and beer and all that stuff, and so here the learning curve is how do you get people into how do you market. You know, and so like I can make beer. I just have to learn how to get people in there. 
there we did everything through products. Like we made the products, we started doing distribution, people came in, and that's how we built that brand up there. But starting over from scratch is a little bit harder because you're making the beers, but you don't have all the outlets to get it to yet. And I still don't have a distributor signed up yet because my system is a lot too small for that. <laughs> but as we grow, it'll get bigger. Yeah. I was, that's a good segue because I, you know, you, uh, you come in here and you sit down and you have good food, you have a couple of beers, but I noticed that not so much to set up the bottle yet or can or anything. Is that, is that kind of right around the corner? Or? Yeah, we're looking for that. So we, we have this spot and then there's actually an old building behind us that we're going to be moving into in the next few months. Start to set up a bigger system and start getting things going. So yeah. But that's usually how you, you get a little tap room to try to support a manufacturing plant with it. <laughs> that's how the breweries always start. Yeah. But, so you will leave the tasting room here, or you'll just pick up the whole operation up and move it to the other building? Uh, no, it'll all be here. The tasting room will stay here, probably the little system. And it's really just right out the back door. It's the building's touching. So it's, a, it's, in, this, it's in this part. So. What, um, so there's a lot of unique beers on your menus. Um, do you like to experiment more when you're when you're uh, making your crafts, or do you also have some more like traditional classics, like lagers, pilsners, kolsches, regular ales, ambers? Is there any kind of classic styles that you either made in the past, you like making now, you have plans to make in the future? Yeah, I like the the Carolina lullaby, the regular lager. I'll have that on there forever. The Kentucky Common, I'll have that on there. But I really I like to experiment. We were making all kinds of crazy sounds before, so I have that from figuring out how to do that. I could definitely use this here. And that's, that's why I made the Flanders. I never made one before, and that took a long time. But <laughs> but yeah, it, it turned out uh, very well, I think. But but like I never wanted to compete with Rotobach. That's how I stayed away from that style. <laughs> yeah, because they make a great one. Um, but yeah, no, I like to experiment a lot. That's my style mostly. Well, it's very good, so uh, cheers on this one. Bad news for you, Wayne. Where's the where classic news? <laughs> so far, everything I've tried is good. So, um, for Steve, though, there's only one IPA on there. So That's all right. I'm, I can do anything other than Bud Light and Budweiser. But <laughs> so, I do have a question you mentioned earlier, or your wife mentioned earlier about she rescues cats. And then he was, uh, Wayne was asking you some questions about the cats. So every single one of those beers on that list, almost all of them, have something to do with cats. So yeah. where did that come from? Is that just, just is all your beers going to be named by cats? I mean, I think it's a cool concept because it ties in with yeah. your. I know that's how we started, and I think we'll continue, but. We're probably going to run out of cat names eventually. That's why it's getting harder to name them like that. But so someone will start changing. We thought about, which actually I thought was funny. Somebody said we should make like the Victorian pictures of people, you know, like Edward, and make it out of a cat and just name the beers after them and have Victor <laughs> like have your family tree on the wall <laughs> or something. But I think we, I looked up like the top 20 cat idioms. I think we've used like eight of them so far <laughs> so there'll be different names soon <laughs> now we're running, running out running out of material quickly yep. <laughs> the margin will have a cat name yeah what's that will the margin have a cat name uh, that'll probably just be a margin like a classical style you just call it a name <laughs> is easier yeah 
There you go. <laughs> um, so, is there anything else that you want to tell us about the uh, your your operation here, your relationship to the community? Uh, anything about the beer, the food, the coffee shop? Two minds were just just going. <laughs> trying to, we're just now coming out of the COVID thing, so we're playing a little bit of catch up. So we're just it's, it's been exciting, and we're just now getting to the point where we can start being creative again and get stuff going again. So uh, we're pretty excited just to have a little bit more freedom lately. So have you noticed? Because there's a lot of um, urban development going on as far as a lot of a lot more apartment buildings and uh, younger people moving in. So if you you're in relation to what you said before about people walking by and noticing the shop, and that's how they kind of get used to you being here. Do you notice the foot traffic from the surrounding apartment buildings? Is that where a lot of the business come from, or is it just people driving by, parking somewhere, and walking around? Yeah, we're about there's about there's three distinctive groups. So there's the, the people who live here; they come in here. Then we have the people who go to the ballpark or the other games or their tourists in downtown. They'll come here, and then we actually have a pretty big Brazilian component that comes in here. Like we had a Brazilian band that comes in. Here. They're, they're they're the sons of Brazilians, basically. So there's a lot of engineers here, and so they came here, their kids are here. That, the other night, it's a great party when they're here. We try to get them about once a month. I did notice that, and that I did want to ask about that, is what is your what is your, your long-term tie into having live music? Is it going to be strictly focused to having some, some band like them, which has that more cultural aspect to the brewery and Sarah's background mm -hmm. and that sort of thing, or do you are you going to have a broader ingest of just to have more as much music here as possible and bands here every like every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night or something like that? Yeah, that's what we're trying now is to have uh, somebody here every Saturday. We have like Carl Lover. I don't know if you know he, he's coming in. He's renowned around here, but but though they're we bring them in for the big band because they're they go play in a lot of different places. We just happen to know them and so. We can actually have a real size band for a price we can pay because <laughs> they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, they they'll pack the house for us. And, and so, but we like to have the live music, have the acoustical stuff. It's yeah, we like music a lot. So we're trying to do that every Saturday. And we do have there's a girl who comes in here and plays the piano and uh, sings on uh, Sundays, and she's just amazing. But she just kind of just does what she wants to do and goes, and it's great. So we we got a little bit of diversity going on, so it's nice. More acapella than. In her case, yeah, 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 she does very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, as far now as I to tie into that, um, that because like a place like Fireforge, they have a lot of live music there, but they're more on like the outskirts of downtown, whereas you're more closer to the center. You know, created up in the West End, but it's still closer to a lot more of the shops in the Main Street area. So. You bringing more music in could help people drive to you more than going all the way to the outskirts of town. You know, if you're, you know, not, nothing against Fireforge, but if you're there, you're not really embedded in the downtown area as opposed to here. You're a little more closer to all the shops, the restaurants, the ball field, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I still don't know where everybody settles in this town. Like you go down to the waterfront, that's where everybody gets right, and then I think it just radiates out. From do you notice that speaking of competition i've noticed in the northeast that 
you can say to, it's not like a competitive sports thing, like, you know, a Red Sox fan is not going to say to a Yankees fan, and it's like, oh, okay, you're a Yankees fan, you know. But, you know, you walk into the brewery and you mention a brewery that's also local, there's more of a friendly camaraderie between those two things. What kind of relationship do you notice both here and up closer in North Carolina from your time in D9? What What is the, is there any kind of friendly competition between breweries? No, you know, angst if there is any, is everyone's kind of, just kind of like, hey, we're all in this, we know, you know, we're all brewing beer, that's, we're, let's just, you know, just kind of not, you know, be in support of each other. If somebody walks in and mentions another brewery, you're not going to dog the other person. (laughs) Is there any kind of competition or friendly competition or whatever the case may be between breweries around here, breweries up where you were previously? No, I think they're, breweries tend to get along pretty well together. When it comes down to like getting that sale in the door, that's the only place that I've ever seen any competition. Other than that, work together with everything on everything, you know. People say, oh, here's my new recipe. It's never my secret recipe, you know. Everybody's willing to help. You make the best beer you can and express yourself. And and then once you're out there selling it, then you'll say, who gets that keg on that tap? But other than that, it's good. So So earlier you were talking about you like to experiment and your wife is from Brazil. Have you had any beers on tap that have Brazilian influence or traditional Brazilian beer, or do you have any plans for that coming up? Yeah, but with the regular, so in Brazil, most of their stuff, and now it's changing very quickly, but up to five years ago, they didn't have craft beer. So really, your lager and your pilsen and your wheat were German beers, and that's what they had. And so, yeah, so that, that lager that I made is, is very much like what they drink in Brazil. But they're starting to they're starting to break off down there and make new breweries and do a lot of different things now. That's good. I bust Wayne's chops a lot because he likes his pilsners. And <laughs> to me, a, a pilsner is kind of reminds me of just eating a regular plain cheese pizza. Like, give me some flavor, <laughs> give me some life to it. So I bust his chops a lot for that. <laughs> that's funny. But that's interesting. Like, there's no, there, there is kind of no experimentation down in Brazil. It's just kind of your standard two, three, regular beers and that's it yeah and then there's a beer like where she's from she's from a joint village down in the south and they have a pretty big independent brewery called Opa down there but when i went down there what i found was weird it's like you can get a barrel-aged beer for cheaper than you can get an ipa because they don't grow hops there and everything that comes into that country has to be imported and it's super expensive so they have trouble making like their ipas are expensive for them to make so so it's hard to do some experiments well, Aaron, um, we will definitely be back. Thank you so much for your time and uh, getting us some interviews to get our podcast off the ground. Uh, I'll give you the last word if there's anything you want to throw out there to the people, anything down the road you want to promote, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, the TikTok that we have coming up on the horizon is the Halloween party. That's a month or so. Two months away. we got to start planning for it now. But trying to get like a, I don't know what's going to happen. There is a little different things because we're downtown so we can't be outside as much as we would like. We're trying to get a beer garden setting up and try to get like an Oktoberfest something going. But yeah. And we're making new beers every day. Just come in and try. Yeah. Beer garden would be fantastic. That's uh, There's not too many that I've seen around here so having one right downtown would be very good. Yeah, no. We're hoping. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us and um, 
we'll be right back and have a little bit of a, another fun comparison that we touched on last week. I'll stay here, boys. Podcast. Back road dust blowing in the wind. Pickup trucks start rolling in. Sky turning colors when the sun starts sinking low. Oh, oh, break out of that long week state of mind. Gonna burn a little brush pile wood tonight. Wind chimes ringing, swinging side to side real slow. Oh, oh, and we got Zach Brown playing in the background. Cans and the long necks getting nice now with the stars all shining like a chandelier. It's Friday. Okay, ladies and gents and everyone in between, let's keep it with the food theme and bring in a man who's been king of the live stream of late, mixing in his young culinary wisdom with a love of craft beer and bringing it straight to the palm of your hand. Find him on Instagram at Chef Finn Delish. Chef, how are we doing today? Tell us a little about your uh, background. Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I actually just got done with a Cheers O'Clock Live myself. Uh, as you know, on my page, I host a live where I have a guest on and we just have kind of a drink. Could be anybody who's a foodie, a, uh, a person who loves to drink, maybe has their own page that they want to like promote business, anything. So I had that to just get it done. Um, and as for the rest of my page, I post a lot of food content. I'm a, I started off as like a catering, private chef, personal catering page. And I kind of just started falling in love with the uh, drink side of things and falling in love with craft beer, making my own cocktails uh, and such. That's it. What's the craziest cocktail you made? Craziest cocktail. I, I got into uh, it's, it's more of the dessert cocktails that I got really into with um, getting really crazy with because I had a like a Henny and uh, it was like more like a Brandy Alexander, but with Henny. Um, and if anybody doesn't know a Brandy Alexander, it's a cognac, um, you use it with like more like a cream liqueur, like a Bailey's. Um, so I did that. That was, it wasn't that it was crazy. It was just the fact that it was just a dessert cocktail. And I feel like dessert cocktails could really enhance, um, you can freeze it. You can really add like a lot of, um, designs on it with like chocolate sauce, whipped cream. So I, I dabbled in that. Um, so I would say maybe one of those dessert cocktails that I've done before. Right, right. What do you guys think of that? Henny, Henny and uh, Brandy. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> um, before we get into the nitty gritty, you can show off your uh, knowledge around the kitchen, Chef. I want to throw a bit of a curveball at you. Uh, it's pretty common from the perspective that you bring that people find interest in uh, when you're preparing a big meal or crack go, cracking open a cold beverage, warm, of those for, the, warm for those of you in Europe. Um, you don't want the flavors to clash. Um, and me, me personally, as much as I love a nice beer, I kind of, I kind of prefer a nice savory meal. If I had to choose between one, I'll pick the savory meal over the beer. But that being said, you don't want them to clash. And so what is to, to you, what, what is like the real driving force, the real driving desire between making sure that your, uh, alcohol your choice of alcohol and choice of dinner don't kind of mesh well with each other now are we doing more personal or are we am i thinking like something that 
a meal that I'm giving to somebody and I'm kind of seeing what their what their drink choice is. Just because I've had both sides of it. Um, obviously, I've been a server. I've been a bartender. So I will see maybe what they order and then they'll kind of order their drink after and they'll kind of suggest, hey, what do you think maybe we should have with the meal that we're having? So I kind of go based off maybe what their meal is having. Now, everybody's personal preference is different. So maybe I'll ask them personally, all right, well, what things do you like? You know, things around that end. But if I'm looking at more on the personal side of it, I was actually just talking about this on my own live, just this uh, on this past one. Is actually when it comes to beer, I don't have too much of, I'm not too much of a stickler on what I'm drinking with what I'm eating. The only one I think I'm very picky on is if I'm having spicy food. If I'm having spicy food, I definitely think about what kind of beer I'm going to have. And I think when it comes to beer and spicy food, I prefer a lighter beer. I'm going to go more out towards uh, a Pilsner, a lager, even as light as maybe even a wheat beer to certain light beers, like a hyphen swine, you know, those weird pronounced German beers. Uh, I'll, I'll go around there. I'll, I'll, I'll dabble in some wheat beers as well. Uh, other than that, I'm not too picky when it comes to beer for pairing with food. I'm definitely picky when it comes to wine. And I know, you know, this might, I don't know if we're looking for more on beer or wine or, you know, whatever. If you're just looking for my personal appearance, I think wine, I'm a little bit more picky on. If we're doing seafood, uh, I would, depending on the style seafood, I, a lot of like lobsters, um, sea bass, I'm a big fan of. I would go more Riesling and Chardonnay aspect of things. Chardonnays can be a little bit more on the oaky, buttery, flavor side of things um and those will go well with some seafood because uh, seafood you're going to find those citrus notes you're going to find very buttery uh flavor points because you know if, you, if you're having seafood shrimp lobster you're going to want butter you got to have butter with that stuff you know what i'm saying well well that 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 did lead me into my next question because uh surf and turf is a very upscale meal as far as i'm concerned and so you're saying you're just as far as surf and turf is concerned, seafood, swordfish, lobster, you just say scrap the beer altogether and just and go wine? Yeah, I don't, I don't, if I'm ordering any surf and turf, I, I would definitely go more wine or a cocktail, actually. If I'm doing a cocktail, it's got it. I, I'm a bourbon guy. And I think the steak with something that's like a citrus uh, mix, like a bourbon smash. Um, a lot of bourbon smashes, if you go to co um, restaurants, you'll see a bourbon smash that's very popular as a, a mixed cocktail. And it's basically a, a fruit uh, that is maybe muddled or just like poured as a fruit juice poured with a, a bourbon of, of choice that they use, maybe their house bourbon or a specific bourbon that you want to use. And I would suggest those with surf and turf just because the bourbon gonna, is going to go well with the steak. And then you're going to have like those fruity notes as well to kind of pair well with uh, maybe like a seafood that you're having paired with that surf and turf. Oh, definitely a big fan of your uh, bourbon suggestion. That's for sure. Yeah. Wayno, what's up next? All right. Speaking of uh, meat, uh, now who amongst amongst uh, meat eaters doesn't love a nice juicy porterhouse or ribeye? Um, chef, next on tap, what pairs well with, uh, with a good, nice, nice, good steak? A steak, um, yeah, like I said, everybody's taste buds are different. 
Um, so I always try to go into consideration of what, um, like I said, as a server or a bartender, I try to ask them what they kind of gravitate towards. But if I'm going personal, I like an amber. I'm going to go mm -hmm. a nice multi amber ale beer. Um, not too, not more on the hobby. Like it's just, it's got to have that nice malt, just the mm -hmm. red amber. It can even be a little bit more on the brown ale side of it, of aspects, mm -hmm. things on, on the color. It could be on more on the brown end. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm going to go T-bone. <laughs> T I love me a T-bone, man. <laughs> T-bone is, is runner up maybe next to, a, everybody loves a filet mignon. Everybody knows those. And I think Wagyu's are a little uh, overrated for the price. But if we're going with steaks, I would go filet mignon or T-bone with a nice uh, amber ale, a nice multi red amber ale. That's good. I, I'm more of a ribeye guy myself, but you know, I can appreciate that. All right. Next up, let's go Italiano next. Needs not to be said, their culture is very much the epicenter of delicacy. Uh, give us some options for the classic chicken Parmesan or something a little more standard, linguine, Alfredo, maybe a chicken Marsala. See what you think. Uh, an Alfredo, I would go more lighter. I would go towards a Pilsner. I'm doing a like a cream just because of the cream. I feel like if I'm doing a little bit of a heavier beer, just with the cream aspects, you know, some dietary problems. I feel like some people might have. I feel like if you're going heavy beer and then also cream, heavy cream. It's just mm -hmm. you, your stomach might hurt a little bit later. So I, I would go a little bit something lighter. <laughs> um, but if I'm thinking, like I said, I don't go really too too much into the beers with uh, with a lot of food. But if I'm thinking, I would go maybe more on a wheat on the wheat beers. Actually, I love a nice wheat beer just because, like I said, they can go tend to be a little bit more lighter and they can also gravitate being a little bit more on the wheat on um, a little heavier with a mouthfeel. Uh, can be what do you say? Like, just yeah, just heavier with a mouthfeel and the orange color. Just they can go light to, to a little bit darker on the heavy feel, and I right. think those can balance out with maybe having like a chicken parmesan, uh, with the breadcrumbs. The panko, it's all going to match mm -hmm. well with those flavor profiles, I think. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you be both. <laughs> Stephen the Mayor, what's next? All right, Chef. I haven't really said anything because these two guys have been talking. But thank you again for taking the time. I know we all have busy lives. Thank you for uh, coming on and talking to us for a little bit. So, chicken and waffles is the one that I picked. What would pair good with that? My, myself, I'm not a chicken and waffle person. I was born and raised here in the South, and I just don't get the obsession of chicken mm. and waffles. But what do you think it would pair good with, with a beer? What style? Hmm. Now, I'm actually going to agree with you with the chicken and waffle combo. It's not something I go out of my way to be like, wow, I got to have some chicken and waffles. But if you think about it, it has those early aspect like meal to it. You're going to have it usually in the morning, brunch. Um, I feel like a lot more people will order it, you know, with chicken and waffles early in the day. Yeah. But I think if you're going to go heavy with some fried chicken, waffle the batter uh usually you're gonna have some type of gravy with it i feel like like i said even with the beers and i'm not too much uh of a, a stickler with what kind of beer 
I think if you're going heavy, you might as well just stick with the heavy. I uh, love Porter. <laughs> yeah, you might as well go like a dark beer, uh, a brown ale, a stout, your um not not the fact that of maybe a hoppy IPA, but just a a, a heavy bodied IPA. I was thinking more brown ale when before the podcast started recording, we were talking about who was going to ask certain foods. Mm. I'm sitting here drinking a brown ale now, which is yeah, completely different for me. And I, I think with chicken and waffles with the syrup and the notes, mm-hmm. just like you said, definitely a brown ale, maybe a I porter. Yep. So I agree with that. Yeah. So I definitely would, would gravitate to that. Just because if you're going to go heavy, greasy, you might, <laughs> hey, just tag along with the beer and just go all out and just go to, well, go to sleep by 4.30 p.m. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I was born and raised here in the South, still live here. And we fry everything. You go yep. to the local carnival, and you have Oreos and Twinkies and Snickers. Oh, so, corn dogs and yep. just deep fried everything. <laughs> so, to pair with that, uh, what about a dessert? Like like a, a chocolate cake or a cheesecake? Um, I, I'm a big beer guy, and so I like pairing beer, and I brew my own beer. But I like pairing beer with food, too. So when Chase told us that he was going to do this segment, I was excited. <laughs> so what? not necessarily I said chocolate cake, but what, what would you pair with a good dessert? Just give us some options. I'm not too much of a sweet tooth, so I'll put that out there. But I, am, I have a weakness for some fried Oreos. Oh. We were just talking about, you know, like everything fried. You know, if I go to a carnival, you know, I uh, even going into like some food trucks, I've dabbled with some food trucks that will have like one of the dessert main things would be uh, fried Oreos. At a, like, and so that's perfect with like a brewery because uh, food trucks would tend to be around breweries. Um, so I like fried Oreos. And if I'm going fried Oreos uh, again, I think, you know, either it depends. You can either balance it and kind of go opposite end of the spectrum and maybe since you're having something that's very sweet of a dessert you kind of go something opposite that's going to like balance it out um not the fact that you're going to have like maybe something citrus uh because i think that would throw you off depending on maybe the dessert um but i think um if you want to kind of just kind of just go all out with something sweet i think again maybe have a pastry stout um maybe you have something along the lines of maybe even a sour possibly depending on the sour oh. though because i've had sours mm-hmm. that are on the less carbonation and a little bit thicker with the mouthfeel um i don't know i've had it's hard to describe like if anybody's had obviously some sours i've had some sours that are a little bit more on the dessert side and they tend to be mm-hmm. a little bit more heavy bodied and it could be really fruity and citrus and so I think somewhere along those lines, I would have uh, with my fried Oreos. Those uh, slushy 450 North joints. Oh. <laughs> uh, before before I move on, I kind of want to double down real quick on the dessert thing. My favorite dessert is <laughs> uh, Bananas Foster. Ooh. What would Stout, you know? <laughs> Stout or Porter, for sure. <laughs> or a good glass of bourbon because it has – alcohol in it if you cook it the right way i, I was just gonna say i was like um 
<laughs> you ever had like a if I mean a bananas foster is already almost close to a dessert as it is. Um, but I've had a lot of great banana foster like French toast. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. so banana French foster French toast. I had one time a banana foster French toast. This was down in New Orleans. And if you go to New Orleans, you gotta have banana foster. I there, did. You know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, and I had banana fosters with a, a bourbon boozy milkshake. And mm. it was absolutely delicious. And I feel like you're going to have banana fosters. I mean, I know if you're having just like the dessert side of it, then, yeah, I mean, obviously you're not going to have a milkshake with it. Uh, I agree. Well, maybe some like a bourbon on the rocks. That'd be uh, just to kind of have a, a nightcap. I mean, it's a dessert. You're having something, maybe even a Sambuca. I'm not personally a Sambuca fan. I know a lot of people love Sambuca. I would actually maybe go around um, an Irish coffee, actually, because of the whiskey. So if you're having maybe yeah. something, you have the cold and the warm. So you have an Irish coffee, you got the whiskey, you got that dark liquor, you got the warm aspect of the of the Irish coffee and the liquor, and then boom, you're having the nice cold banana faucet with the ice cream, the banana, the caramel. It's all going to work together, I personally feel. Mm-hmm. You're really uh, doubling down on the, on, on the back end here with these dishes. <laughs> heavy and heavy, thick with thick. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Wait, Wayna, you got another dessert for the chef before we change gears a little bit? Me personally, I'm not a huge sweet tooth person, but the one weakness I do have is cheesecake. Hmm. Uh, New York cheesecake, uh, the white chocolate raspberry cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory, uh, just about any of them. So um, what would you put with the cheesecake? I'm interested, interested to hear that. I agree with you. Not, uh, not like I said, not too much of the sweet tooth cheesecake. I can, I always say I have a little crush on it sometimes. You know, it's not something I think about, but when I see it, I'm like, "Ooh, you look kind of good." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I don't, I don't think anything with beer. I feel like beer just would throw it off with uh, cheesecake. Um, I'm gonna have to go wine on this one, and. I think a red wine, I think a red wine would go very delicious with any cheesecake, no matter that you, it could be just a classic or it could be one of those, you know, you go to Cheesecake Factory and you get the ones that are just really crazy with it. They have a lot of flavor profiles. Um, But if you do red, just because usually the cheesecake comes out, they're usually closer to the room temperature. Uh, They have that heavy um, texture. And I'm going to go a Pinot Noir or a Merlot. Or a red wine. I mean, uh, a dryness with sweet would would balance well with it. No sangria, I guess. So. Uh, say, um, I don't know, because I feel like I'm gonna start my night off with a sangria. So if I'm having, if I'm getting to dessert, I already finished my sangria already. So maybe I had the red <laughs> sangria earlier with my meal, and then I want to stay towards my red you know spectrum so Mm -hmm. i get like that merlot (laughs) i agree i like the red sangria though Mm -hmm. play that uh that that inverse card that you uh referenced before so if somebody has the sangria first what plate are you recommending they order a red sangria Ooh. oh my goodness honestly red i feel like sangria vibes whether it's you know you're in you're, you're doing red or white you know, it doesn't matter if it's summertime, fall, winter. I feel like sangrias go around all year round. Um, 
I'm going apps. It, you got, I feel like you got to load up at happy hour and just go apps. It doesn't matter what app. You, you can go fried eggplant with mozzarella. You can do Brussels sprouts, um, some sliders. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know, truffle fries. I feel like any, any of those around with apps, you're going you're gonna to dabble with some apps and you're going to love it with some sangria. We, uh, so far in the show, we like to play a little word association game. Uh, so we're going to rip off some popular, some common styles of beer. And whether it's the food that pairs best or the first food you think of. Food that pairs best or the food, first beer that I think of. All right. Well, we'll give you the beer. You give us the food. Oh, okay. So. I know you're. I know you mentioned these before in the previous discussion. If I say Pilsner, what dish you thinking? Chicken wings. Oh. Yeah, because I'm. A, I'm gonna want some hot wings with a nice Pilsner. All right. All right. All right. What about a New England IPA? Oh, a burger. Oh. Nice juicy burger, yeah. Oh, yeah. To, to go with that nice juicy nipa. <laughs> yeah, just gotta go greasy. A nice burger. Gotta order a medium. How about a nice dry porter? Dry porter. Um, I don't dabble too much with the darker beers, the porter. But if I'm, hmm, if I'm doing a darker beer, I feel like I'm going more towards. The desserts. Um, that's so tough. Porter. I'm trying to think what was the recent food I've had with the last porter I had. Um, <laughs> and I think it actually was a dessert. <laughs> so I'm, I might go some ice cream or something like that. Something dessert for some reason. Just because I don't have porters very often uh, to order as well. He threw me a curveball on that one. I poured it. I'm like thinking like, dang, what's the first thing I would have? <laughs> All right. Well, we just had a dark beer. How about going a little bit lighter? How about something that would go well with a, one of my favorites, a Kolsch? Ooh, a Kolsch. Hmm. Kolsch is so light. Um, I have borderline anything with a Kolsch. Uh, I feel like nothing's going to throw me off with that. It's such a light beer. It's enjoyable. Um, I'm gonna go shish kebabs, like a fruit, a fruit shish kebab, mm. like something that's okay. like kind of off the grill, something off the grill that's gonna be very, very nice with that. Because I think barbecue when I'm having a kolsch. That sounds fantastic. Dream <laughs> summer. <laughs> Speaking of seasons, tis the season right now for a certain style of beer. They often go by the name Oktoberfest. What do you think pairs well with a marzen? I love me the Oktoberfest season. I'm excited to 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 start posting about it. Um, I I I mean I said it earlier uh, when I'm doing those type of style of beers. I, I would go more. I'm 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 thinking meat, so I'd go steak. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'd go steak. Just keep it. You know, like I said, the T bone. I'm going filet mignon. Uh, keep it with the with the style. Give it that bready feeling. All right. 
All right. Well, how about what would you think on a West Coast IPA? Uh, West Coast. The, another crush I have, like I said, <laughs> with the wines. Uh, the West Coast, I, I kind of stray away from. But then when I see it sometimes, I'm like, hmm. Um, just because the West Coast have a little bit more towards the, the bittery side. Uh, I actually would love to have uh, something savory, like bacon, something with bacon, something that's involved with like some type of bacon uh, in there. So it could be like bacon wrapped scallops, uh, bacon with Brussels sprouts. I don't know, something something along with the side of bacon. I'm throwing bacon in that. If it has bacon, I'll, I would get a West Coast with that for sure. Now, is that, does that have anything to do to balance out the saltiness? I maybe I I don't know. I think it's just more just the the the, the like the fatty, the greasy. It's just that, that I don't know. I feel like it would help with the bitter for me personally. And uh, to to top off this conversation, the uh, heavy hitter of all the heavy hitters. What would you think if I threw up an imperial stout at you? Oof, imperial stout. Can I just face that myself? <laughs> <laughs> the, the beer's a meal oh, in of man. itself. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. It's gonna be too much just alone for me personally. I don't even know if I would want. Yeah, I feel like that's just. I already ate, or at least I hope I ate. Because if I didn't eat and I'm drinking an imperial stout, I might be in trouble. I'm about 120 pounds, and that's gonna hit me quick. <laughs> 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 they say they, they say never trust a skinny chef i think you're the one skinny chef you can't trust <laughs> yeah <laughs> mayor mayor steven you got uh anything anything left for the sh- for the chef no i i do not I, again i just really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to come talk to us no i appreciate it um i know we try to been making it work for the past week. Um, but I'm glad to be on here. And it was cool just being on the spot with these questions, kind of testing my own knowledge and uh, <laughs> trying to think now, maybe after I'm going to really just go out and actually uh, maybe I'll have a porter or uh, an imperial style and kind of see an experiment a little bit. I do tend to push the boundaries of people, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, Chef. Well, we thank you for coming on. Um, do you want to go ahead and plug uh, your social media while we got you on here? Where can you be found? What platforms? Yeah, um, I'm just on Instagram. Uh, I am Chef in the List, C-H-E-F-F-I-N, Delish, D-E-L-I-S-H. Because I kind of just came up with that as like I'm chefing up that Delish, you know, chefing up that Delish food. Yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> catch me on there i'm always welcome to answering dms i'm no hollywood i answer everybody i respond to everyone questions easy recipes uh suggestions on anything always hit me up there i will respond right away i promise all right well ladies and gents uh go give him a follow check him out uh you can also check out uh the three of us on instagram you have chase at nutmeg to palmetto you have Stephen at southern dot or southern underscore 
bling underscore beer reviews. And then you have myself, Wayne's Beer Delivery, on Instagram. And you can also find me on YouTube, throwing a video here and there. We thank you for coming on. And I hope everyone has a great night. Cheers. Sounds hazy, then Lord, we'll make it clear. We like Blondells, IPAs, cider stouts from the USA, which is boys. We like beer, which is boys. We like beer. Upstate beer, boys.